want to talk to you for a few minutes today out of my heart, and I'm simply going to call this, what if? Look at somebody and say, just what if? Someone said, what if this dream that I can see could change how things are to how they could be? Two letters, that's all. If takes a chance and risks a fall. Others say why. If answers why not. Dares to take action. It starts with a thought. One little if and one little me to fight the current to swim upstream. If doesn't ask when, if says now, from here to there, if is the how. If starts sooner, stays longer, keeps the faith, gets back up, goes back to work, uh, sets the pace. Uh, so now I'll start, I'll begin. Without the start, there'd be no win. If counts the cost, a price to pay, sees the potential, then seizes the day. If today, then tomorrow, show something for the breath you borrow. Take a leap, uh, just a step, growing old without regret. Uh, tell me now, what's your what if? Uh, what will it take to scale the cliff? You have the vision, make it come true. Sometimes that what if is you. In the end, it goes to show there's no telling what one if can grow. Finish what you start. Then time has come to dream again. Who knows what the day will bring? What if this changes everything? And so I want to challenge somebody today to go ahead and embrace uh, the positive what ifs uh, in your life. Uh, it was August of uh, 1987, Howard Schultz was faced with the toughest decision uh, of his life, whether or not to buy a small chain of coffee houses with a strange name, Starbucks. Knowing what we know now, it seems like an absolute no-brainer, but sh to Schultz, the $3.8 million price tag felt like a case of the minnow swallowing the whale. In his memoir, Pour Out Your Heart, or Pour Your Heart Into It, the architect behind Starbucks uh, reflects on his what if moment. And here's what he said This is my moment, I thought. If I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering what if. Howard Schultz made the defining decision to give up the safety net of his $75,000 a year salary to pursue his passion for all things coffee. Starbucks stock went public five years later on June 26, 1992. It was the second most actively traded stock on the NASDAQ that day 
and by the closing bell, its market capitalization stood at $273 million. Not bad for a $3.8 million investment by a $75,000 a year man. Wow. Wow. And now, Starbucks has over 33,000 stores in 76 countries with revenues topping $24 billion and over 349,000 employees. By conservative estimates, Starbucks sells uh, over three, almost, well, 4 million cups of coffee a year, not to mention the other 87,000 possible drink combinations and every sip of every drink started with what if. And so I'm declaring to someone this morning that stepping in to your what if can literally change your life and the lives of your family. So I ask, what is your what if? Uh, I think of a little lady from yesteryear named Rosa Parks uh, that said, what if uh, I refuse to sit on the at the back of the bus? Uh, I think of Martin Luther King who lived, breathed, and passionately pursued his what if. He didn't miss uh, his moment. He didn't miss his what if. Uh, and Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks' uh, what ifs uh, literally changed the world. I'm preaching to somebody today, one little if can change the sequence of your life. Life is simply made up of choices and decisions. I'm blessed to, to be the chaplain of a prolific high school football team in West Monroe, West Monroe High School. And I speak to them on, on game days, Fridays, during the season. I speak just before their pregame meal. And one message that I give them every, every Friday I, without fail, is I always tell them, guys, uh, understand that life is simply made up of the sum total of your choices and decisions, uh, either good or bad, and they all have consequences. Uh, what if somebody today puts your past behind you? What if you said, you know what, I'm going to step into my future, what if, and I'm going to give everything I've got to God, and I'm going to see what God has for the rest of the course of my life. I'm going to see what God has for my family. I'm declaring to somebody Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that same Jesus uh, that changed Simon Peter, that same Jesus uh, can change you today. <laughs> what if? And so I'm preaching to somebody, you are only one what if away from an alternate reality. What if you start praying, God, 
Instead of praying for the answer, I'm praying, make me the answer. Make me the answer to someone's prayer. God, use me to be a part of a $2.7 million miracle right here in this locality. Use me, God, to be a part of the miracle of renovating this place and building. Use me to be a part of the miracle to reach hundreds and thousands of people that are out there that are lost to Bishop, pulling them out of the fire. That's what we've got to do. What if I said, God, use me? What if I said, God, God, I'm willing. What if I said, God, I will walk into my what if? What if you share your testimony? What if you tell your story? What if you say, Others have walked into their what if through Celebrate Recovery. Others have been delivered. Others are no longer on drugs and alcohol and bad habits. What if I just go ahead and step into it? What if I let God deliver me today? What if I let God give me a great life? I'm preaching to somebody right now. God's reaching for you right now. God knows exactly where you are, and he's ready to pull you up and turn you around and change your life and change your family and make you a difference maker. What if you go back to college? What if you just go ahead and start that business? What if you step out on faith? What is your what if? There are 1,784 what ifs in the Bible. Or ifs, I should say, in the Bible. And my favorite if in the Bible is Romans 8 and 31. And I love it. Hear me well, wherever you are, in the valley of discouragement, on the road of despair, in the midnight hour of your deepest, darkest dilemma, hear my favorite if of the Bible, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you hear me, hell? Do you hear me, devil? Do you hear me, naysayers? Do you hear me, all the negativity? If God is for me, who can be against me? I'm preaching to somebody that God is for you, and that's all you need to know. Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when I was against him, he was for me. So I need to surrender it all to him today. What if back in 1977, Bishop and Sister Suey had said no 
to the call to Herrick, Illinois and stayed in Nashville. This wouldn't be here this morning. You wouldn't be here this morning. But you know what they did? There was a great what if looming in their life. Uh, and they stepped into that great what if. Uh, and now... Jeremy and Pastor Jeremy and Danielle have come on the scene. And now look what the Lord has done in these 44, 45 years. They walked into their what if. I'm preaching to somebody today. God's got a great future for you. I don't care how dark it looks right now. I don't care how low you are right now. God is ready to raise you up. God is ready to lift you up. He's ready to do something in your life and in your family. I like the uh, 43rd chapter of Isaiah. In that 43rd chapter of Isaiah, God made three astounding statements that I want to bring to you today. Number one, just in modern day vernacular, okay? Not, not King James, but number one, God said, hey, I've got this. And God's speaking to somebody right now. And he's saying, hey, I've got this. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And he's saying, hey, don't forget, I've got this. For you see in that 15th verse of that 43rd chapter of Isaiah, he said, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. And what he was saying was, hey, I've got this. Remember who I am. You see, before he made his promise, uh, God declared his ultimate title, I am. And immediately followed that up with four others. I'm the Lord. I'm the Holy One. I'm the Creator. I'm the King. I'm preaching to somebody today. He is your Lord. He is your Holy One. He is your Creator. He is your King. And He is well able. And He's telling you today, according to Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And here he's giving us his resume. He's giving us his qualifications. So I ask you, what are you believing God for this year? Can you see it in your heart? Can you see it with your mind's eye? Don't put your faith in man, but put your faith in God. Hebrews 13 and 5, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Too often we say, I've got this, when we ought to be saying, God's got this. Uh, you can trust him. God has got this and God has got you. Are you going to release your faith this morning and take hold of the promises of God? I'll never forget, back in 1981, Paul and I went to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 
to raise up a church. There was just a little small handful of people and they couldn't pay us a nickel. They were, the bank was considering foreclosing on the building. The pew company had already dispatched a truck to come get the pews out of the church. There wasn't any misappropriation of funds. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, there were simply no funds to appropriate. But God spoke to us. And we said, what if? What if we go? And we stepped into our what if. We had another great church that we had just gotten on location with that wanted us to be their pastor. But we went to Winston-Salem. And we walked into our what if. And we lived in a, we, we bought a trailer, had bullet holes. Screens were dangling to the bare, or dangling. Paint was peeling to the bare metal. But it was cheap, folks. And so that's where we lived. We moved our boys in there they were four and six I came home we'd been I, I'd, I'd been working all day teaching Bible studies in and out of homes in and out of businesses reaching for people and uh, Paula was I walked up on that little wooden porch walked in boys were out in the yard playing with some of their buddies and uh, Paula was setting food on the table and she had taken our china that we had gotten 10 years before at our wedding. And she had never put that china out in that little trailer. But she was putting that china out. And then she put three small dishes on the table. Hominy, green beans, and carrots. And I looked and she said, Mark, it's ready. Call the boys in for supper. Dinner for some of you more sophisticated Illinois folks, okay? So, so I looked at her, and she said, go ahead, call the boys. So I looked at Paul, and I looked at the stove, and there was nothing on the stove. I went and opened the oven. There was nothing in the oven. And I looked at her, and I said, baby, there's the veggies, but where's the, where's the beef or the chicken or the fish or something? She started crying. Little tears started coursing down her cheeks. And she said, Mark, she said, this is the last food we have in the house. We have nothing. We have no bread in the pantry. We have no milk in the fridge. We have no cereal in the pantry. We'll send our boys to school tomorrow hungry with no breakfast. But she grabbed my hand and she said, Mark, we're walking into our miracle. Don't you be discouraged. Don't God has called us and God's going to keep us. And we raised our hands and we thank God right there. And then... I called the boys in. They didn't know any better. They ate. We put them to bed. The one miracle of it all was they didn't get hung. They weren't hungry the next morning when they got up. At least they didn't say they were. And we just acted like it was normal not to feed them breakfast. We sent them to school. I went to the little church. And about 10 o'clock, the phone rang. And I answered and I said, Heaven View. 
And a sweet voice came from the other end, and she was so excited. It was Paula. And she said, Mark, come home quick. She said, I went to the mailbox and said, there's a $50 check there from somebody we don't even know. Come get me, and let's go buy groceries. What I'm preaching is my God will never let you down. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It matters not what's going on in your family. I'm telling you that my God will never let you down. We walked into our what if, and God helped us build a great church there. And Harold Linder pastors that great church today, and We've been back to preach many times. Secondly, what God is saying is, hey, I've done it before. Isaiah 43, 16, thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. God is reminding us today that he always makes a path through the impassable. He's reminding us today that he always makes a way through the impossible. He's stating his qualifications and he's saying, hey, I've done this before. The question is, do I believe it? And do I believe that he'll do it for me? And this is where I'm dropping my anchor. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Life has its anchor points. And I'm dropping my anchor right here. I believe you, God. And I believe that you're for me, not against me. I believe that you're greater than anything I'm facing. And I believe you're going to see me through Luke 2 14 says glory to God in the highest on earth peace goodwill towards men and God's will is goodwill and so I don't want to get discouraged I want to understand that in my most discouraging moment he is still God. And he can still take me through. And he will still answer. And then number three. God says, hey. I'm going to do something new and powerful for you. Watch it. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Watch verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God's getting ready to do something new in your life. God's getting ready to do something new in your family. God's getting ready to blow your mind and boggle your brain with what he's doing. God has greater things for you than you can even imagine. Don't re Remember the disappointments, the regrets, are the losses of the past. It's so easy to allow hurts and disappointments of yesterday to erode my confidence in God today. 
Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting, forgetting. Somebody said forget it. Forgetting those things which are in the past, which are behind. I reach forward to those things which are ahead, and I press toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hear me today. If you are always looking back, make yourself remember your significance is in what is ahead of you, not in what is behind you. Is anybody hearing me preach? There's some things you should never say. God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and 7, But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatever I command thee thou shalt speak. It's time to quit thinking in the negative what ifs. Well, what if I'd only done this? What if I'd only done that? But I didn't. It's time to put those things behind me and say God is saying this is a new season. And something new's getting ready to happen in my life. God's getting ready to do a new thing. So what if I just go ahead and believe God? What if I say I'm going to lead my family the right way? What if I start making right decisions? Look at life through the windshield and quit looking at life through the rearview mirror. There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Proverbs 18 and 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so quit speaking negativity. Quit speaking death in your situation and start speaking faith and start speaking life. When you verbalize your faith, you give it power, you give it credence, you give it weight. Say it like you really believe it. Our musicians are coming right now. In the 1990. NBA season, Michael Jordan dropped 69 points on the Cleveland Cavaliers one night. And a reporter asked Stacy King, one of Jordan's teammates, how he would remember Jordan's performance. Stacy King, you see, had watched most from the bench. He was simply a role player, of course, with a sense of humor. That night, he'd gotten into the game and scored only one point. And that's what made his statement an instant classic. For his answer was, all I can say is this is the game that I will remember that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. And Stacy King wrote J 
Jordan's coattails all the way to the NBA championship. Not once, not twice, but three times. He's got three rings, but you know what he said? He said, together, we're better. I'm preaching to somebody right now. One plus God is a majority. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed and fallen. It doesn't matter how low you are, how down you are. I'm preaching to somebody. One plus God is a majority, and I'm going to ride God's coat.